Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. What's up, friends? How are we? My, I'm an air freshener, making sure it's good. We doing good this morning? Good. I had a whole thing about Father's Day, but we already did that, so I can just skip out. I can skip all that. I was going to talk about summer camp, but we did that. We're going to get out of here early today. We good? I'm going to cut that out of the sermon. Start my timer right there. Boom. Yeah, here we go. Cut out five minutes. Yes. Uh, we're all going to get the Cajun corner and do work on this Father's Day. So, um. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, it's been a minute since I've got to see you and be with you here, and it's always fun uh, to get to be here. It always feels like I'm coming home. Uh, I do get to speak um, around the city at uh, several churches and be a part of them, um, but there's nothing like coming home. It's just a bit easier, and I'm always way more nervous when I'm here because you kind of know me, or other ways I can mess up, and I'm like, oh, who cares? I'll never see them again. Um, and I come here, and I'm like, oh, i got to try to come back. So uh, here's the one I want to come back to. So yeah, always a little nervous, happy to be here. But my daughter's made sure, she's like, Dad, you got to be funny, because they're expecting to be funny. And I was like, well, I'm not that funny. I'm a 35-year-old dad. Like, my time of being funny is kind of over. She's like, okay. And I was like, all right, here we go. Here we go. Let's try to do this. But excited to be here. It's been a great series, and I've been uh, thrilled to watch along as we've uh, been diving into the series on the parables, and I just want to say what an honor it is to share the stage with some of the most incredible men and women pastors that have been up on this stage preaching to us over the past several weeks. What an honor it's been for me. We started with our good friend David. Uh, David came and brought the word. So thankful for David and his heart and him sharing about grace and uh, what a gifted uh, speaker he is teaching us about workers in the vineyard, and uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Leslie just got up here and just, oh man, what a gifted preacher she is, what a communicator she is, and she taught us about this idea of shameless audacity in our prayers, and if you think I'm leaving that out of today's sermon, you're wrong. Like, are you kidding me? I was just like, I was like, I'm going to steal that and that and that as I went through. It was great. Last week, Pastor Dwayne came up, and I don't know about you. But I'm watching at home in my office this week, and I'm like walking around pacing. I'm like, come on, come on, Dwayne, let's go, let's go. And I wasn't even here. I can't imagine. Uh, so if you're wondering how that follow-up's going to be, you're going to be disappointed in today. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm going to lay it out there. I'm not that. So, man, what a great day it was. We're going to continue on in the series today. Excited about it. Excited to talk to you all about parables. Are you ready to go? If you've never been here with me and you're wondering, he's talking kind of fast. I'm not going to slow down even a little bit. Like, looking around, like, is he going to, like, well, maybe? No, I don't do that. I only get a few minutes with you, right, every few weeks or months. And so i got to give it everything i got. Hope you're okay with that. You ready to get after it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's invite the king into the room, shall we? Lord Jesus, we welcome you into this place. God, we ask that you would do what you do this morning, that you would use your word to stir us up, to convict us, to cause us to soar, Lord Jesus. God, we recognize that the enemy has a voice, but he doesn't get a vote in this room this morning. He doesn't get a place in this room. So God, all the things that he's trying to do to distract us with what we have going on later today, the stress of work, the things we have to do, that load of laundry we keep spinning in the dryer because we don't want to fold it. Whatever it is, God, that's distracting us, we pray it out. 
And may for this moment, as your word says, that the eyes of the Lord are roaming the earth, searching to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Jesus, may you stop roaming this morning. May you rest on this room, in this place, because here gathered are people whose hearts are fully committed to you. So would you strengthen us today? I pray that we will walk out of this room a little bit differently than the way we walked in. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, parables, parables. I love when Jesus teaches in parables because, look, I, I believe in Jesus for the reason that I can't figure him out. That's why I follow Jesus, right? Like you can figure everything else out. Like there are ways. No, I can't. I'm not a very smart man. Um, but there, if you studied enough, you can figure everything else out. And one day I was realizing this, like I, I can't figure Jesus out. I wanted to solve these verses and I wanted to solve the things that Jesus did. I had this moment like, well, if I can figure him out, then he's not God anymore, right? This is why I think I can't wait to get to heaven and find out everything I'm wrong about. It's most, right? Like, like I, 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 I don't have Romans figured out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have it all solved. I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to ask so many questions. I want to figure out how everything works. I just want to learn forever. I don't think I'm, like, I always disagree with people. Like, we're going to get to heaven. We're going to know everything. I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. Or else I'm going to look at Jesus and be like, hey, you're in my seat. And that ain't going to happen, right? You know what I mean? Like, we're going to learn forever. Like, I hope I get to do this forever. I'm going to go ask, how'd you do this? I'm going to go find my friends from OKC Community Church and be like, guess what? We were wrong. And, uh, uh. This is why I love parables, because he taught parables. To why? He wanted to reveal the kingdom of God. He wanted to expose the people that were listening. This is what the word of God does to us, right? Like, he wanted to know. He taught in parables because he wanted to know who was there for the miracles and who wanted to hear the truth. You know, he taught in parables to protect us. He loved us because he knows we'll be held accountable for what we hear and what we know. And so he taught in a way that we couldn't fully grasp to protect us. Parables are an incredible thing, a thing that we'll study forever. And I love that. So I want to start with this question this morning, because every time I read parable, it just makes me think of more and more questions. And this is the one I had for you. If you could have more of one thing in your life right now, what would it be? Now, once you turn to the person, oh, wait, no, don't get super spiritual with this answer. That's my only task. Like, just more grace for people. Like, no, get rid of that junk. Right, what I want, if you could have more of anything in your life right now, what would it be? Turn to the person next to you. I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Go. 14 seconds. More of anything, what would it be? All right. Hopefully we have some good answers. I, uh, I wanted to do this question because this is the question that I found when I began reading this story. So what I did is I started by going to my children. I was like, okay, I have three kids. They're 10, 6, and 3. I went to my 10-year-old, my daughter. I was like, if you could have more of anything, what would it be? And she's in the midst of reading the Harry Potter Illustrated series. I love her dearly for that. I mean, it's like her salvation, Harry Potter. Um, for me, like she loves the books, you know what I mean? She's like, well, if I could have more, I wish all the books would be finished so that I could finish them all because I'm only going to read the illustrated versions. And I'm like, well, I need you to hurry up, kid. I want to watch the movie. Um, <laughs> I go to my six-year-old, and I'm like, if you could have more of anything, what would it be? He was like, more time with you, Dad. I was like, that's why you're my favorite today. Um, <laughs> I go to my three-year-old who's full-on feral as a child, and I said, what do you want, Dad? And he's got like a honey bun in one hand and a pack of mini muffins in another, and he's like, more snacks. That's what I want, more snacks. I asked my wife, if you could have anything, what do you want? She was like, bomb pops. You know those popsicles? She's like, I love those things, you know? 
There are things that we want more of, right? Everyone can agree on this. Like, no one's like, I'm totally satisfied. Like, if I said, like, I don't think there's anyone in the room who's like, you know, I'm actually, I have to- the right amount of money. Don't need any more, you know? So today what we're doing, check under your seat. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> we're an inner city church. We don't do that. <laughs> we could all use a little more money, right? No one's out there be like, I'm actually totally fine. Everything's great. The odds, the thought of even having any more dollars just makes me cringe. This is not true. I'm sure there's someone out there who thinks that way, but they're a liar. Um, uh, I'm a parent. I got three kids. Any of you who just want a little more space sometimes? Any of you craving space? Just give me a little space. You know, how many of you out there, you're the per like there's you got friends who are like, I hug everyone, I love to see everyone. And how many of you sit in a circle and there's like always a seat between you? Like, I just need a little space. Like my wife's like, I really love you, but you're gonna sleep all the way on that side of the bed. Need space. Our first apartment we ever lived in was 300 square feet. You could take 11 steps in it, and it wasn't like a cool tiny house, it was like a duplex that had been split into six units. Okay, so. You could take 11 steps. You couldn't fully stand up or wash your hair in the shower. You had to do this, you know. We moved into our first home. It was like 1,000 square feet. I was literally a king on earth. I got a whole room I didn't even use. Um, space. I am an Enneagram type 5. I don't know if you know this, but I need knowledge and answers. I could use more of this. I'm a full-on conspiracy theorist, you know what I mean? Like, like you want to talk about JFK? I got all day, you know what I mean? I got all day. Like, you want to talk about this? I want to know how things work. The pyramids, I, I think about the pyramids 14 times a day. It makes no sense. I'm like, well, here's how they do it with a ramp. I was like, that's a long ramp. I was like, you know, how come it takes them, you know, nine months to build Starbucks, but those pyramids are there? Like, I don't understand. I promise we're going to talk about the Bible today. <laughs> we all want more friendship, maybe more community, right? I want time with people, more purpose, more passion. Um, I, I'm a more technology guy. People are like, you know, I wish we lived in the olden days where it was more simple. I was like, oh, yeah, no AC, no indoor plumbing. No, thank you. I want more technology. When, when is my favorite time to live? The next one. That's my favorite time. <sighs> We all want more health insurance. That'd be nice, you know. More peace and quiet. Parents out there, anyone? More resources. Maybe another pair of Jordans. Take one of those. Maybe more abs or an ab. Take one of those. <laughs> Some of us would like more hair. I could use one more eye. Um, <laughs> we all have things. If it's your first time, talk to someone who's laughing. Um, <laughs> how many of you could use a little more time in your day? Anyone? Could use a bit more time. Time's probably the one we would answer the most, right? Time. And what would you do with that time, right? More time to get my work done. <laughs> no way. More time to lay around. How about that? I'll take that one. I realize there's three types of people who wake up in the morning, right? There's the kind that hits snooze 14 times. Who are you? Any, any multiple snoozers? Yeah. They're the kind that when the alarm wakes up, they get up right away. I, had, I lived with one of these. His name was Andrew. And he'd be dead asleep, and the alarm, like, beep, beep. He's like, psh, psh, ah, ready to start my day. And he'd just start walking around. Hey, do you guys need anything? I'm like, I need you to be quiet, Andrew. That's what I need. <laughs> I need you to leave this apartment. 
There are people who wake up. I'm the third type. I like to wake up. And although I'm awake, I don't go back to sleep. I like to sit there for about 20 minutes. You know what I mean? You people, yeah, I like to sit there. And everyone's like, well, you shouldn't spend time on your phone. Wrong. That's what those 20 minutes are for. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, turn, on, turn on that episode of The Office that I've seen 19 times this month. I just need time before I start. You know, we like time with our friends, right? Like support time with our friends. Be able to do that. Spend time without having rushing in the next thing. More time with my family. More time with your kids. You know, I mean, there's many of us in here that have kids uh, that have grown up and left. What would you give to have that time back with your little kid? I had a friend the other day who sent me this TikTok, and he was like, hey, watch this. And it's this parent playing with their daughter. And it's like, every time you're frustrated with your kids, imagine you've been from the future, and you'd be given one day to go back in time. And I was like, thank you for the TikTok, you jerk. Like, I don't want to think about those things. You know what I mean? Right now, my kids, I just need space, and I want to feel okay with that. How many of us would give anything to have time back? Anyone? I would love time back. Maybe it's because you wish you wouldn't have done, reacted the way you reacted. You wouldn't have done something the way you did. Maybe you would love time back with someone you've lost. Time back with a relationship that's broken and gone separate ways. Time. This morning I want to look at a story from the book of Luke, chapter 16. If you have a Bible, you can open there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. But it's about this idea this morning of what would we do with that time that we had back? And Jesus is teaching, as he does, and he begins to tell this parable, this story of a rich man and Lazarus. Go to Luke chapter 16, verse 19. And by the way, if just because I'm reading from the word of God, trust me, it has way more power than anything that Caleb's going to say today. So I would invite you to more than ever to key in on what the scripture has to say with us. Are you with me? We good? Here we go. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19, it says this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. This guy lived in luxury. He had the nicest clothes. In another version, it talks about he would feast every single day. So this like feast that you might have once a year, he ate like this every single this day, every day. This guy was doing well off. He was doing okay. He had a good time. Uh, verse 20, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Okay, Lazarus was longing from the scraps from the rich man's table. Because what he would do back in those days is they would basically like take bread and dip it and like wipe their face with it because they didn't have napkins because it was the year four or something. You know what I mean? And they would throw that bread away. And that's what the man Lazarus would try to eat. And Jesus was very descriptive in his imagery of here. And what I love about this story is we have two men separated by about 20 yards. Okay. And yet it might as well be a sea parted in two. Right. Have you ever met someone like this where you're like, we're the same, but we're not the same. You know what I mean? Like, so one of my best friends, uh, like my brother, he is a lawyer in New York City. And uh, we play, like, we're still, we're best, super close, same fantasy football league, all the kind of things. And I called him the other day. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, oh, I just left this dinner uh, with my neighbor, Paul Giamatti, Leonardo DiCaprio was there, blah, blah, blah. What's going on? And I was like, I was just calling you because I was at Cane's and I got an extra sauce for free. <laughs> and I was like, we're the same species, but we're not. You know what I mean? We live in two totally different worlds. He called me to check his fantasy football lineup and he's like, 
And I was like, why are you not watching the game? He's like, I'm at the game, but I'm sitting next to Roger Goodell, and I don't want him to see me looking at fantasy football. I was like, what are you even talking about? Like, I'm in my living room eating leftovers that are clearly spoiled. Like, I don't know what's happening. 20, 20 yards apart, these two men, but they live in totally different worlds. This might be the most relatable thing in this story, friends. Now, it's important to know that the rich man didn't necessarily do anything wrong to Lazarus in this story, except maybe ignore him. Maybe just not give him any time of day. Not necessarily anything wrong, just didn't pay attention to him. Let's go to verse 22. It says this. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. We have a little note there that Lazarus was so poor, he wasn't even buried. Like, he was just dead and gone and forgotten. The rich man was buried. Now, I want to notice this. Lazarus is carried to Abraham's side, and the rich man is dead and he's buried. Now, Lazarus wasn't saved because of his poverty. I want to make this clear. He wasn't praised because of his poverty, and the rich man was not punished because of his wealth. This is not the case. Lazarus had a relationship with Jesus. That's what it's always about, period. That's what it's always about, friends. It's never about anything else. It's always about that. Okay? Our circumstances are our circumstances. That's why Jesus says, I will sustain you. One day I'll make all things new, right? But this is not, one wasn't punished because of one thing and praised because of another. Let's go to verse 23. It says this. Ooh, that was loud. Verse 23 says, In hell, when he, uh, the rich man, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. There's a few things here. The rich man, clearly a descendant of Abraham, recognized who Abraham was, knew about him. He says, send Lazarus. There's a few ways to interpret this. And I love this one way that this rich man still didn't get it in this moment. Because he sees Lazarus, the beggar, I recognize him. Have him come serve me. Send Lazarus. I know him. I know his state. I know what he is. Have him come do the work for me. He's calling out, come dip this, dip his finger in water and put it to my tongue. The important thing to note here is even though the rich man was no longer on this earth, he still had desire within him. He desired what? He desired relief from what he was experiencing. So the idea here is that Jesus is painting that the desires that we have will not go away once we leave this earth. We'll come back to that. Verse 25 says this. Uh, so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip his tongue of water to cool my tongue, but I have an agony in this fire. Um, there's a whole other thing we could talk about there, but we don't have time for that. Verse 26. And besides all this, Abraham says, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor anyone cross over from there to us. We're going to come back to that. Um, yeah, we're going to come back to that. He answered. It's pretty heavy stuff. I hope you're like, you know, like, I'm not about to make you miserable the rest of the day, I promise. We're going to go somewhere and have some fun. Okay, he answered. Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Listen to the description here, right? And notice what he says here. He says, what? I what? Beg you. You see how the roles have been flipped now. The rich man, now the beggar, 
begging. Father, I beg you. Why is he begging? Because his memory of his loved ones is still intact. His memory of the people he loves and cared about was still present. His love for them and his knowledge of the agony that he was currently in leads him to beg for help for his brothers. Verse 29. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Abraham said, they have enough to turn to Jesus. They have enough to turn to Jesus. And I was reading that this week, and I was studying, and I was praying on it, and I was like, man, this seems like, why wouldn't you do everything? You know what I was reminded? Is that we all have enough to turn to Jesus. Friends, this book's enough. This book's enough. Do you believe it? If you believed it, can I ask you, are you in it? You know what it says. I'm always amazed that we listen to podcasts and listen to worship albums and we listen to this and talk about this and yet our father wrote a book and most of us believers haven't read it. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. Have we read it? It's enough. This book is sufficient and enough. Read it. Watch how your life changes. I've never met anyone who's like, you know, I'm spending more and more time in God's word and my life's getting worse. I've got less answers. I'm more confused than ever before. I've never heard of that because this verse screams out the glory of God. This book screams out the magnificence of God. It screams it out. In fact, this is what he's saying. He's like, they have Abraham and Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. We have enough. If I took away this book, would you have enough to turn to God? Yeah. Walk outside in his beauty and his glorious creation. Walk outside. Look at it. Friends, have you ever seen a mountain? It screams the glory of God. Does it not? Have you ever looked at the stars and wondered why are all the stars? God was so genius in his creation. If he wouldn't have put stars in the sky, we've all been in a black box. We'd have never wondered what's out there. But because there are stars in the sky that scream out the glory of God, we wonder what else is beyond right here. They scream out the glory of God everywhere they go. His creation is constantly pointing us to the Father. Let's see. Let's go to verse 30. He says this. He's, uh, verse 29, again, it says, Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The rich man immediately rejects this answer from Abraham. He immediately says, nope, nope, not good enough. You don't understand. You, he knew his brother's needed to do what he did not do, right? This is very evident. He's like, no, no, no. Send someone back. He's like, hey, they already have. He's like, no, I reject that. You have to do them. Give them a sign, a wonder. Give them something. And Jesus is so brilliant in this parable, in this story, because what he is doing is Jesus is showing the weakness of faith that is built on signs and wonders, friend. That is a weak version of faith. Now, God does signs and wonders, he does miracles all the time. We pray and we ask God for him. But could, do you know how I know that it is a weak faith that is looking for signs and wonders? Because I'm up here in front of you now telling you. And I know this because I have been blessed enough to follow Jesus the most of my life. And I can tell you this, that when I stare at a mountain in front of me, a hurdle in front of me, something in front of me, you know what I begin to do over and over and over again in my life? I question, God, where are you? How can I cross this mountain? And I ignore the 400 mountains he's led me through all the previous times in my life. And I thought, God, I need another sign, another wonder. He's like, I've given you all of these. And yet I'm questioning, God, where are you right now? Do I relate with you, friends? 
Have you ever said, okay, God, where are you? God, I need you. How have you abandoned me? And he's like, I'm right here. Friends, if you're basing your faith on the next thing that God's going to do for you, that is a faith that will crumble. This is why when one of the most famous chapters in all the Bible is Romans chapter 12. And what does it say? To be transformed in the image of Christ is to be how? From the inside out, not the outside in, friends. The inside out. And that means I got to get on my knees. I got to get in his book. I got to spend time with the Father and ask him to transform me from the inside out today, just like he did yesterday. It was not a one-time thing, right? God didn't forgive my past sins and leave it up to you and me to conquer our present and future sins, which means, hey, secret, God didn't care how you came in this room. He doesn't care what kind of baggage you brought in here. He still wants to rescue. He still wants to save. He still wants to make things better for you. He's for you. He wants to transform you from the inside out. So that's a heavy story, right? Like this is not a parable. It's like, oh, what's, what's, what's next? You know, a lot of places we could go with this today. What's, what's Caleb doing? I want to go back to verse 26. Let's go to verse 26. It says this. Remember he's saying, son, remember in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Verse 26, it says, And besides all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Now, I read this, and I was like, okay, I get that part. I get that no one can cross where the rich man is over to where Abraham is. But why is the first part of that verse in there? He says, what does he say first? No one can cross from where we are to you. Now, why on earth would anyone want to cross from where we are to there? It's because just as we saw with the rich man desired relief on his tongue, desire did not leave Lazarus either. And Lazarus, while in the presence of glory, still had a desire to reach the rich man, to save and rescue the rich man. It appears that desire won't leave us either. What I see is that there will come a time when our desire won't leave us, and yet we will no longer be able to reach people. I love the church. Shocker, right? If you know me at all, you know, there's one thing I'm passionate about. Like, what, what's your thing, Caleb? I love the church. I think the church is so messy. I think that we have so many faults and problems. I love it. I love a building like this. I love a room that looks like this. I love a room that's filled with people from all different places. I love a room. Like, if you look around this room right now, all different places. We have all different kinds of backgrounds. Some went to public school, some went to private school, some went to homeschool. Homeschoolers, yeah, shout out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some didn't finish school. Some went to college, some went to work. You know? Some of us come from two parent homes, some of us come from single parent homes, some of us come from no parent homes, some of us come from. Wealthy families, poor families, middle-class families, struggling families. Some of us have small children, teenagers, grown children. Some of us desire to have children. 
Some of us desire a spouse. Some of us, our marriage is crumbling. Some of us, our marriages are strong. Some of us are from different places. We have different struggles, different races, different beliefs. But one thing, friends, makes me love the church and makes me love this room. One thing every single one of us that have said yes to Jesus have in common. It's that the main thing, the main thing for those of us that have said yes to Jesus, it's the same thing. And that's why I love the church. Because those of us that have said yes to Jesus, like, what's your main thing? What makes you tick? What fires you up? You know what that should be for all of us? The same thing. The main thing is the same thing for people that have said yes to Jesus. And that is why I love the church. Because our most important thing is the same thing. And how we describe that at this church is we say we want to bring life to our city by being the church the best way that we know how. That's the main thing. All other things fade away when it comes to the main thing. How do we do that at OKC Community Church? Easy. We want to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them everything that Jesus commanded. Everything. I say this almost every time I'm on stage. Preach the gospel, die, be forgotten, and may the name of Jesus be known a little bit more because you and I walk this earth. Amen? That's it. Period. That's it. That's the only thing. The main thing is the main thing for all of us. And how do I know? How am I so confident? Because Jesus was about the main thing. Was he not? In fact, 70 times in the New Testament, we're told about the main thing. Look at some of them. Matthew 1, before Jesus even walks on this earth, what does it say? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Amen, church? That's the main thing. Galatians chapter 4, but when the fulfillment of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adopted as sons and daughters of the king. Amen, church. It's the main thing. First John 4 says, we have seen and testified. Do you, church? Have you seen? Or are you testifying that the father has sent his son to be the what? The savior of the world. It's the main thing, church. Does that not fire you up, church? It's the main thing, Romans 5. But God demonstrates his own love towards us like this, that while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us, church. It's the main thing. 1 John 4, and this this is love. Not that we love God. Not that we love God. But that he loved you, church. That God loved you, that he sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. It's the main thing. Luke chapter 4, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. If you're wondering what your purpose on this earth is, I just read it to you. It is to preach the good news of Jesus. That's it. That's it. It's the main thing. It's the main thing. Matthew 4, from that time, Jesus began to what? Preach and say what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luke 19, for the son of man has come to do what? Seek and save that which was lost. You and me. It's the main thing. First Timothy 1. It is a, oh, I love this verse. It is a trustworthy statement. Can I give you something that you can trust this morning? Deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners amongst whom I am the foremost of all. It's the main thing. First Corinthians 15. For since by man came death by man also, came the resurrection of the dead. For all, as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. It's the main thing. The last one says, I also say to you, dear Peter, 
upon this rock. I will build my church. And this church, OKC Community Church, this church, the gates of hell will not overpower it. It's the main thing. The main thing is the main thing that for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his love. So God loved us so much that he came towards us. He gave his son that whoever would believe in him should not perish. What? But have everlasting life. If you're in this room and you've said yes to that, that's the main thing. It's the main thing. It's the main thing. It's the same thing. He came to do one thing. That's the thing. That's the most important thing right there. So, what this story teaches me is that our time to live out the main thing is limited. There will come a time when you and I can no longer be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that desire to be the hands and feet of Jesus will never go away. Which means there will come a time where I'll stand face to face with my king and thank him for all those verses I just read. Thank you for seeking me out in my sin. Thank you that it is a trustworthy statement. Thank you that you love me so much that you gave. Thank you for all that. And, and I can no longer do this. And that I think that ache will never go away. I think we will be in heaven desiring to go to the people that we love. I think that will be there. I think that we'll be there. We'll be in the glory of God. And yet we will have people in our lives who we love, who are walking through something. We'd be like, if I had one more day with them, would you tell them about Jesus? If I had one more shot, would you pray with them? We talk, I talk about this all the time, guys. These things that we talk about are not ideas. What I call this is the lie of the yes. What happens is we come to church and we hear things like this, and we say yes because we agree with them, and nothing about our life changes because they die at an idea of yes. And that is dangerous, friends. But dangerous because it's a lie to ourselves, and it hardens our conscience. It makes us think that we've done the thing just because we said yes to the thing. And our actions change not one bit. And that is how the enemy works. So what do we do with this this morning? One day, our ability to be the hands and feet of Jesus will end. But it is not this day. Would you agree, church? Because today, in this room, here we are, gathered together, and the most important thing is available to all of us to be a part of right now. So I was thinking, I was like, how do we finish this? And I thought, well, seeing as we're all here, I thought we should, with shameless audacity this morning, petition God to move. I thought we could do that together this morning because the main thing is available to us this morning. We could petition God with shameless audacity to be part of the movement of the gospel. In fact, we have a way that we do that at this church corporately. We have four things that we pray for. I'm going to throw those bad boys on the screen. We pray out with shameless audacity for the more spirit of God. When's the last time you prayed that out, church? When's the last time you said, God, I need, come Holy Spirit, move in power in our church, in our city. How many of you out there today would be like, you know what I need? I need more of God's spirit to fall on me. How many of you would say that to me? I'd say, God, I need more spirit to fall on me. How many of you have somebody in your life who would say they need the spirit of God to fall on them? This church, we pray for more salvations. Lord, bring people who need to be saved 
by your grace. When's the last time that you knew somebody that just to say yes to Jesus, that it crushed your soul, that it made you ache? Do you have that burning desire to see people come and say yes to Jesus? It's the main thing. It's the main thing. Our main thing is the same thing. We pray for more salvations. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and they were talking about, you know, how are we reaching people and what are we doing? And I, I say this a lot, I feel like. I, the church is being way too loud about everything that we're against and way too quiet about everything that we're for. People know what you don't like. Do they know what you're for? Do they know about the grace of Jesus? Are you talking about that enough? Is the church shouting about the right things? We're always shouting about the people get, I can't believe they act like this. I can't believe they treat Christians like this. I can't, they're lost. Stop hating lost people for being lost. They're lost. Jesus looked at them and what did he say? Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Well, they need to know what they did to believers. Is it right? No, they don't. How could they? How could they act any different? If all goodness comes from God, I'm never surprised at the way people act. All I can do, the only thing that's like Jesus to me is forgiveness and grace and mercy that comes at the foot of the cross. That's it. That's all I have for anyone that doesn't know Jesus. That's it. It's the main thing. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We pray for more healings, emotional, spiritual, and physical healings in Jesus' name. How many people do you know right now that are walking through something right now and they need a healing hand of Jesus? I know someone this week that just lost his mom after a long battle. And he said, man, I'd give one more day with her. And his buddy's like, what would you do with that? He said, I'd just pray with her. I want to hear her pray again. How many of you know someone that's walking through with something that just got a diagnosis this week? I know someone else got a diagnosis this week. It's not good. They need a healing hand. Are you praying shameless, audacious prayers over them? Maybe you're walking through some kind of hurt. Maybe you've had a relationship that's fallen apart. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe you're disconnected with one of your kids and you're like, God, I need a healing hand on this relationship. God, would you heal it, Jesus? I need you. Could we be people this morning that prayed with shameless audacity with that? And we pray for more breakthrough. God, would you set people free and break down walls of addiction. How many of you in this room would say, God, I need you to do a breakthrough in some area of my life? Is this not all of us in the room? Friends, I'm a, I'll be real candid. I'm stepping into a new phase of my life. I've been, I've been taking care of my kids and walking alongside my wife. I don't know what God's going to do with next. I haven't worked in a church. I've just been like, God, use me, use me. You know what I need? I need God to do a breakthrough in my life. I am praying, God, would you give me a breakthrough? Would you give me vision and show me what's next? Friends, am I alone in this? Do you need breakthrough in your life? Do you have someone in your life who's walking through something? They have an addiction that's taken hold of them that they can't shake. Can I tell you this? I've never seen anyone defeat a sin by trying to defeat a sin. You fall in love with Jesus, let him take care of all that. Okay? Let him take care of it. Are you praying that prayer over the people that you love? Because this story that Jesus told to these people says that desire to reach them and pray for them will never go away, but our time to do it is limited. So I thought since we're here, I'm gonna have a prayer team right up front. You guys can come up here right now. And we're going to pray shameless audacity prayers. You could pray up here with the prayer team. You could pray where you're seated. You could stand and pray. You could kneel and pray. But could we be a people that said, I don't want to waste today because I got today. And if I got today, I'm going to pray shameless, 
audacity prayers, giant prayers, that God would bring more spirit, more salvation, more healings, and more breakthrough. God, would you do it? Because I believe the most important thing is the main thing, and I want to be the hands and feet with everything I got because I can. What would you do with your time, friends? You're right here. These are not ideas. These are actions. Can I pray for us this morning? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for this story. I thank you for your words like that God demonstrates his own love toward us, that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. I thank you that you were called us to preach the kingdom of God to other cities for this was our purpose. I thank you that it is a trustworthy statement that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, for the people in our circles, for the people in our circles who are walking through whatever it is, who need more of your spirit. God, for those who've gotten diagnosis, they're walking through struggles, they're dealing with pain. God, we pray for healing. They're dealing with brokenness. God, would you heal them? God, for those that don't know you in this room, Jesus, we pray for salvation. For those who we work with, God, we pray for them. God, for our next door neighbor, God, for why would they still live next door? God, may we be a hands and feet because we can. And God, for those that need breakthrough, may we fall more in love with you, Jesus, and may you take care of all of that. God, I pray that we understand that all are welcomed at the table of God. No matter where we come from, what we've been through, who we are, what we struggle with, you welcome us with open arms because your story of the gospel is the most inclusive story that's ever been told. May we be the hands and feet. And may we use this time, because you gave us this time, to pray big, giant, audacious prayers. May we petition you to move in our city in ways that only you can. And we walk out of this room differently than the way we walked in. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.